0: hello i'm rabbi david and welcome to the rabbi study today we'll be discussing the fast of tisha b'av the name tisha b'av literally translates to the ninth day of the month of Av. it was on this day in the year 70 ce that the roman empire destroyed the second temple in jerusalem and as we just are coming out of the period of mourning known as the nine days which is part of the three weeks the fast of tishabot is the second most important fast on the jewish calendar after yom kippur it's also we on this day memorialized the first temple's destruction which was a few weeks off from now we also use it to memorialize all other tragedies in jewish history and so many other great tragedies in jewish history are memorialized on this day for example in the ashkenazi communities we tend to memorialize well the way we memorialize is aside from learning about tragedies of the past is through these things called kinos or sorry, kinot which are poems to memorialize the great tragedies of the past and these are an important part of the tishabov service there are a handful that are done on the first night of done the night of tishabov and but there's a much more done during the day some congregations will say all of them some will only do some so Many of these, and then there are special kinos which are said if Tisha B'av falls out on a Sunday, and there's two ways we could have it fall out on a Sunday. One is if the ninth above is a Sunday, and therefore we come into it from the Shabbos. And the second way is is if actually the ninth of Av, such as in 2022, with the year I'm recording this, is on Shabbos. In which case it's postponed to Sunday, which we call a nidcha. And where there are a little bit more leniencies with the rules, which we'll get to later. And its importance is is that, so we have for that time also some of those special kinos. Um, So there's the traditional kinos, which are about the destruction of the temple. In fact, both temples, but there are certain general ones that of these general ones that uh, memorialize various other tragedies. So there are a lot of standard ones that come into that are done by most communities. However, there are many unique ones that are done to each one. So you will find in some the communities like in North Africa the famous uh, persecution during one of the periods of the Almohads about 700 years ago. Uh, Yemen community has theirs. Ashkenazi community in Europe, very famously there is a kina for the famous York massacre in medieval England where the Jewish queen of York was completely slaughtered. And however, there are some that tend to be general. Most of the congregations, to say the ones for the massacres in Poland, Ukraine of 16, of uh, what we call Tachvatat, which is uh, 1640 and 1649 by Bogdan Chmielniki in the Ukraine and Poland. Where one third of the Jews in the entire Kingdom of Poland and of Kingdom of Poland were killed, because it was such a major event. The expulsion from Spain, another great tragedy, which is the Spartac world. So there are many of these kinos that commemorate these different types of things. In the modern era, we've actually, and many congregations have added on some newer ones for the Holocaust, and there are some well-known ones for that. So there are different traditions and rites, but these are all memorialized poems, and they all play a very important role. So very famously there's one by Rabbi Shimon Schwab, who escaped Germany in the late 1930s, who wrote one based off of accounts by survivors who had uh, told him what had happened. It's actually a quite, uh, uh, I would say, tearful one. And then uh, there's a different one by Rabbi Shlomo Halberstam, who is the Grand Rabbi of the Bubbo sect of Hasidim, who himself managed to escape Poland and a whole there's actually a whole book about his escape all the way to turkey escaping from other nazi occupations smuggling out via hungary paying smugglers his whole entire journey out and in fact a little later i will actually discuss some of the kinos at least the translations so it could be better understood now the ninth of of has its own set of rules. So if it occurs on Shabbos, obviously, as I said, we postpone it till after. So That's one of the important things. Now, there are some leniencies, such as pregnant and nursing women don't have the fast if it provides them discomfort. People who are sick should not fast. However, we say that, like many other fast, children should be educated based on their age to see how much of the fast they should do, but they are not obligated until they are bar mitzvah. Over once, boys bar mitzvah, girls bas mitzvah, they're required to fast the entire time. And it's very important to understand that. Now one of the other things is, is on the Eve of Tisha B'Av. So there are the regular year laws and the ones regarding when it is on the Shabbos, the Eve. And I will deal with both. So when there's a first Mila ceremony or a Pinion of Ben ceremony that happens to fall out on erev Tisha B'Av, because those are on set days, the festive meal for it should be held before noontime on the eve of Tisha B'av. Additionally, on Tisha B'Av, on the eve of Tisha B'av, shortly before the fast, there's a period in the late afternoon, early before sundown, that one has their last meal before the fast. And it's a morning ceremony, one traditionally should sit on the floor and uh, sit down to eat. Now many people eat a meal before that, but the end meal should just be bread and a hard boiled egg. Traditionally, the bread is dipped in some ashes to symbolize mourning. Some people also dip the uh, egg into ashes. However, if Tisha B'Av Eve falls out on Shabbos, we do not sit on the floor to eat those items and we don't do the ashes but we do eat them as we because shabbos is special so the rules are a little different but it's eggs have an important part in judaism both as a symbol of rebirth and a symbol of mourning the bread and ashes symbol of mourning Then during the twilight period, where it's before the fast technically has started, it's after the sun starts going down. All that's forbidden to be done on Tisha B'Av has already become forbidden. But it's not Tisha B'Av yet, so we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't wear leather shoes, so people switch into non-leather shoes. And it's so one could better understand, you know, so it's all part of preparing for the morning. Also, people usually, you know, as we say, eat before that official final meal and actual meal so they fill themselves up because one shouldn't go into the fast hungry. Also, as a matter of practical advice, one should make sure to properly hydrate throughout the entire day before. That includes drinking constantly throughout the day. You learn tricks to pace yourself, eating foods and fruits and stuff that have high water content. Also, traditionally one on the afternoon on the eve of Tisha B'Av should be reading and learning the laws of Tisha B'Av as well as the laws and topics of mourning. In fact, on Tisha B'Av itself, one is not allowed to learn Torah that is not related to mourning or the laws of Tisha B'Av, so it's quite common for people to study the parts of Talmud or in Jewish uh, Halacha Svarim, the books of Jewish law, the rules of mourning in those areas or reading from in the in the Torah the parts dealing with the destruction of the first temple period in the various books of uh, in such as Kings 2 or in certain books of the prophets most of the book of lamentations which itself is read in the synagogue on Tishabov Also, in the synagogue, they remove the curtain from the Ark before, before Myrev so that the Ark is bare, also as a sign of mourning. We also treat the day in advance as very solemn to make sure that we properly understand all the seriousness of what goes on. Also, when sitting on the ground, if one is weak or uncomfortable, they could sit on a cushion. Also, certain chairs that are very low down near the ground, for those who can't sit on the ground, are considered acceptable. Obviously, if someone, for medical reasons or advanced age, can't, then they could still sit in a regular chair. Also during the Tzim while we talk about the bread and eggs people could also eat raw vegetables fruit and cheeses but one shouldn't eat other types of food also we don't drink alcohol during that period and because if in a year where it falls out on a Sunday or on Shabbos and therefore we postpone the actual fast till Sunday we do not do the Havdalah ceremony ending the Shabbos then we actually wait till after Tisha Buk to do that on Sunday night. And we need to make sure of that. In addition, in a tiny year where it falls out on Shabbos, and Tisha B'Av is, is there for Fest on Sunday, one shouldn't do pleasure walks or things on Shabbos. And the suudah, or shal the third meal of Shabbos, one can, you know, eat other types of food, and even according to some, have alcohol, because it's celebrating Shabbos. However, that would be before one does the bread and eggs. Usually, though, some people say you can be done during the whole meal, because celebrating of the Shabbos is important. Additionally in a year where it's cold, the Nidcha, we are far more lenient with nursing or pregnant women, as well as people who are sick. And it creates its own set of things. And just to continue from the eve till after, also when we are on on Shabbos, it's right before mirev that one removes the shoes. And one should have all these things prepared before Shabbos. So it's understanding how those things get along and that people need to be prepared. Now, additionally, uh, after Tisha B'Av, because normally it's not until the day after Tisha B'Av that one can start listening to one could you know bathe would do a hot bath or do laundry etc because it's a it one could do it immediately after Sunday evening Tisha B'Av is over however let us focus now on Tisha B'Av itself so when you enter the synagogue, is when we remove our sh- leather shoes. We should be there before the final time to do it. Then we pray mirev in a low, tearful voice. We modify our prayer services a little bit, and you should check your Siddur, your prayer book, because there are some slight differences in custom between communities. After, sh- and you know when one and then at, during the mirev service because everyone is at the synagogue so one would pray mirev for example and then before we finish mirev after uh Shmonasri, we read the book of lamentations echa which is about the destruction of the first temple very appropriate and it's done in a wailing tune like similar to that i'm not the best at uh, reading with the proper tune but there are different customs from different communities on what the tune is but it is and one can look up the book of lamentations but it's very important part because it's to put us into the set mindset for mourning Then the last line which is brings us back to Hashem and we shall return and renew. It's our of old, which is the last line read, <coughs> is uh, read aloud by the congregation and then done by the person reading. And then we do the first kinos for the night, which are regarding the f- destruction of the temples. So like the first one be Remember God, what has befallen us? So whoa, look at our disgrace, you know, etc. It's very, very interesting. And then if it's on Saturday night, there's some other keynotes that are done specifically for that, like when it's after a Shabbos, like some years, like 2022. So there's only a couple that are done. <clears throat> then we finish the Meyer of service And in the morning, we have the Shachar service. And in the middle of the Shachar service, we also read from the Torah. And then we also read from the Book of Jeremiah, like a Haftor, as if it was a... It's like we we do on many special days, as well as holidays, but also certain fast days, because these are all related to the theme of the day of memorializing and mourning. And after the Torahs return to the Ark, we before we finish we go through additional kinos. So one of the great composers who composed a lot of these was Rabbi Eliezer Hakalir and he worked heavily with a style of poems called acrostics in that these stanzas are very poetic and they play an important role. In fact one could purchase, there are many different keynotes out there and many of them even say who wrote which ones, at least the ones that we know who the authors were. These play important roles and each one plays a role in explaining, most of them are around the destruction of the temple, but each one plays, as we mentioned earlier, a role in a famous event, destruction in Jewish history. But let's, before we continue with the Kinos, let's go back to the laws. So, we also say that one, the Knight of Tishabov should not sleep in their normal manner, such as if one is accustomed to sleep on two pillows. They should sleep with one. If one uses a more comfortable blanket, they should use a less comfortable one. There are those who have a tradition to sleep on the floor, and some even to sleep on the floor with a stone as their pillow under their head. But that's a personal choice. In addition, and Tish above, normally in the morning or after a bathroom. We would wash our hands with water covering each hand fully, doing three pours of a cup of a large cup of water, three on each hand. Tisha of we only wash until our knuckles. And then you could wipe the water afterwards over your hand, but we only wash up until our knuckles as a sign of our irregular activities for the day. And in the morning, by the morning prayer services, we do not put on our tefillin. We do that at Mincha in the afternoon. So it's understand, so we do that, so it's to be, you know, it's a sign of, because tefillin is called in Jewish literature and in the Torah, an adornment. We don't wear any adornments on Tejbab. We don't wear jewelry or any of those things. Therefore, we don't wear it till the afternoon. Same thing in the afternoon if one wants to. It means after midday. One can also put back on their leather shoes if it's not comfortable. There are leniencies on the afternoon. So that's why we put our filling in on the afternoon. Now, normally someone who's sitting in a period of shiva mourning for parent or a sibling not we don't usually give them honorifics like call them up to the torah to give an aliyah or to read the half torah however someone like that they go like everyone else to the normally they don't go to the synagogue except on shabbos however during the people during the week of mourning tisha they do go to the synagogue as well as they can get the honorifics because it's considered that every jew is in mourning Therefore, he's just one of everyone. Obviously, what I mentioned earlier about this Torah study. Now, what I mentioned earlier about pregnant and nursing women, in a year where it's a nidhah, there's a lot of leniencies. About that, in a year where it's not a nidhah, a nidcha if it's a year but a nidhah, like 2022, woman is pregnant or nursing, there's a lot of leniencies for them not to fast if it causes them discomfort. Now in a year where it's not an nidcha, there are some that say if it causes them extreme discomfort, there are others that say they fast the full thing unless it could damage their health. We say a sick person, even if it's not critical, should be lenient. We also say a woman who up until 30 days after giving birth is considered the same laws as a sick person, if, you know, in terms of leniencies. However, anyone who has to break their fast on Tisha B'av, like I know someone who, because of a medical condition, has to have a, uh, eat before their medicine. They're not supposed to eat a su'udah. They're not supposed to do anything important. And yes, they would have to make, on a or nidha, they would have to make haftalah before they eat, and there's a whole procedure for that. And the procedure for that would be that they, uh, they don't use the spices, they just uh, do with the grape juice and the candle, and they you know, only drink as exactly as much as needed. But there are a lot more. But I'm going to continue with the laws of Tisha and in a regular before dealing more with the year. But people should just be remembered that there is a debate over the leading season one should consult their local rabbi. On Tisha B'av, we don't take, we don't do washing unless what is extremely soiled. And it's the purpose of it is because is we, you know, so, you know, even though bathing for pleasure is forbidden, we say that even for regular cleaning on tissue above unless absolutely necessary, they said, uh, now one's not allowed to apply creams or makeups, etc., unless it's a medicine. Additionally, we say that, you know, as we mentioned earlier with leather shoes, however, if someone needs to travel long distances by foot and the only, quality shoes they have for that, or someone has a medical condition, then obviously the leather shoes for them would be permitted. Couples are not to have marital relations on Tisha B'Av, because it's a sign of mourning. We don't greet each other on Tisha B'Av, so if you see someone on the street, you don't greet them or say hi. We also don't hang out in public places any more than necessary. We don't make jokes, we don't laugh. So it's to try to make ourselves. You know, these are all things of. Uh, you know, morning. Now, there are possibly some leniencies because we talk about you not to use beauty aids and other stuff. Deodorant maybe is for someone who perspires heavily, though preferable to use a spray than a roll-on. Now, there is, now some people say, such as the late Rabbi David Feinstein, that a girl who is of marriageable age and is single, as well as a woman in her first year of marriage, may use some cosmetics that don't involve smearing and are just there for basic accenting, but not everyone holds of that. So it's making sure that people understand that these uh basic things now people once again washing only for cleanliness and only exactly what's needed for instance particularly using a cool cloth rather than a proper shower or bath is considered ideal and that one just needs to be aware of these situations so uh in addition the feast the meal for breaking the fast when it's over one shouldn't start preparing that till midday on tishabov same thing with this as i mentioned earlier about the on the eve we sit on the floor or on low chairs the same thing on tishabov until the midday part at the midday part one is permitted now however what if there is a bris mila on because that has to be done on the it says it's done on the eighth day you know that's something that has to be done and you can't push it off so if there's a bris it's done after the kinos and by the morning service the father of the infant, the mother of the infant the sandik, the person who holds the baby and the moho put on their Shabbos clothes to honor the bris and The blessings that are done at the bris over a cup of wine are made, but then it's given to a child to drink. The wine or grape juice a child to drink. or split up between different children so that it's drinking so it didn't go to waste, but the blessings have to be made and those involved can't. And then the feast for honoring the bris would be done that evening after the fast is over. So we additionally have, now when Tisha B'Av is over, the 9th of the 10th, we also, as we said earlier on Tisha B'Av, they don't have marital relations, the 9th of the 10th one doesn't otherwise unless it is the day a wife goes to the mikvah to purify herself and it's the beginning of her new cycle, in which case then it's permissible or if the husband was about to go away or just returned from a long trip and they haven't been together in all that period of time. Now, when Teshuvah occurs on Shabbos or Sunday, whether it's Sunday or a Nidcha year where we do it on Sunday. So as we said, you could have the proper feast for the third meal on Shabbos, which is the one that also doubles with the bread and eggs, but we do not do the ashes. We have some little differences in certain things that are omitted in the prayer service, but once again, one should consult the sitter because different communities have different customs. Now, additionally, on those Shabbos, you should be more—you should also only really study the relations to what's just the parsha, as well as the laws regarding tishuvah and we know we want to be careful and at dark and night we do say Bore maria ish on the fire but we don't do the rest of the havdalah until after above. so we want to make sure we have all those things properly lined up that there's a few little differences Further, if, if it's a year where Tishabov is a nidhah, where it's supposed to on Shabbos, but the Sunday, because the laws are different, what about a bris then? So the father, the mother, the moah, and the sanduk, do one hour, do one half hour past the exact halfway point the daylight, pray the mincha, and then they actually do havdalah over wine, they eat and they wash on bread, just them, but the festive meal doesn't have that night. And if it's a Pinion ben ceremony, which is, just as we mentioned, what happens on Eve, it's the redeeming of the firstborn child, firstborn son to be precise. And it's, it's a very special ceremony because it's rare because neither parent could be Kohen or a daughter of a Kohen can't be a levy or daughter of a levy. It has to be a natural birth, meaning not by cesarean section. It has to be the first child born and has to be a male. Not as common a thing. If it happens on a postponement day, because it has to be held on that day, then the father and the Kohen don't complete the fast and they do that same thing in the middle of the afternoon to ensure that at that point. Now, there are many ways to now, So we want to make sure that we fully understand. So now a big part is also commemorating the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, the temples in Jerusalem. So, you know, a lot of these are, so we want to make sure to show that we're in mourning and that we're not happy. We want to make sure that everyone understands that. And it's a big part is more of the morning. It's not a crazy amount of laws, actually. It's very, very simple. But it's properly understanding. And a lot of times there are some minor variants cut to communities. Now, when the 9th of of is on a Thursday, so we fast on a Thursday because, well, in the Ashkenazi communities, we wait till halfway through the day. What's the halfway between sun up and sun down? On the day after teshev the 10th of of to start listening to music again, washing cutting our hair sh- you know shaving beards what do you do so if it occurs on a thursday because it's arab shabbos some post skim some rabbis say that you could already begin it, start preparing thursday night some say you could do it starting friday morning and others do say wait till the afternoon but most say Friday morning, but there are some that do say Thursday night because you want to prepare for Shabbos. Sephardic Jews normally wait till the after the 11th to begin all those things. Most are the communities. So for them, they would be permissible from Friday morning in order to prepare for Shabbos because of how important Shabbos is. So those are the basic laws of Tisha B'Av. And as I mentioned earlier about the kinos, so these are quite poetic. So as I mentioned, uh, what's some of them out there. So for example, so for example, one of them. You know, we read because if you read, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering a bit. Just looking over my kinos to see the different ones. So, as you can see, so a lot of them are based around destruction of the temples, such as say kinos thirty-five, where it says it uses the line, and cry out before God about destruction of your temples, gateways, about destruction of your temples, vessels, and about the life of your young children. Lift up your hands to Him in prayer. Oh, how is the enemy oppressor able to enter Zion, the royal city? As we see a lot of these uh, heavily referenced. And then once again, there's the universal ones and the ones that are customary based off of tragedies that happened in different areas. There's actually for the famous Farhud massacre in 1944, Iraq. There is a poem that some Iraqi communities say. And it's and these are quite quite poetic, and a lot of them are quite uh, some of them are quite dark in how they uh, portray things. So it's hard to explain. So for instance, uh, here's a famous one, uh, number forty-one which was, uh, for instance, in the 13th century, uh, 24 cartloads of the Talmud, which were all handwritten, were gathered up by the Catholic Church and burned in the public square in Paris. Rabbi Echiel of Paris actually had to flee for his life all the way to, and left for Israel. There was a lot of then there was a man really fought up by, there was persecution of Jews, forced conversions, some people killing them. Rabbi Ma- the Rabbi Ma- the Maharam of Ru- of Rottenburg, who was a famous Rabbi, who also uh, was jailed and put into prison and tortured. There's a lot of stuff in in Europe, so this one commemorates a bunch of that. So it starts off O Torah by the fire consumed seek the welfare of your mourners and those who yearn to lodge in the courtyard of your dwelling of those who belong those who long to roll in the dust of the holy land of those distressed and bewildered by the incineration of your scrolls of those who walk in the darkness of exile deprived of illumination of those who wait hopefully for the light of day which will shine upon them in you uh, you know there's a lot of that this is it's a very loaded one dealing with a whole bunch of things for instance when, when the Ram of Rothenberg was thrown into prison by the local bishop, so, and the local, the, the local nobleman, my bad. So, one of his students, Rabbi Usher, fled to Spain with his son, and they both became lawyers in Spanish Jewry. You know, promised, you know, there was a lot of destruction in Europe at that time. Such as uh, there's another famous one by Rebbe Meir Benelazar Lombard Hadarshan in the 13th century about his tragedy, about tragedies which happened in Italy. There is just, and a disproportionate large number of these do follow the acrostics method, as I mentioned before. Now the ones for the Holocaust that I mentioned particularly. So the famous one by Rabbi Halperstam, the Baba So it starts off too. So it starts off Zachruna, remember please. So it says, remember please and lament O Israel, let your voices be heard on high for Germany has destroyed our people during the stormy days of the world war with the killings, horrible and cruel starvation and thirst for all generations do not forget until you will merit witnessing the ultimate consolation remember their screams and their weeping as they were tightly packed and locked into the train's cars like sheep to the slaughter they were led to be incinerated in the crematorium ovens may the sounds of their pleading cries may eternally be remembered by the one who dwells in the heavens. When they proclaimed Shema Yisrael, they offered up their lives to the Lord of Lords, great rabbis and their students, and the multitudes of your people were there. They enslaved them with brutal torture. They slaughtered them with high-handed arrogance. The blood of tender babies cried out to you from the earth, saying exact vengeance for the children and the women. Let no living soul escape alive for the burning of the thousands of, of academies and synagogues. For the myriad of torah scrolls and their students who shall lament with raised and screaming voices they sit god's sanctuaries of flames and ignited them and our eyes witness this let those who with the fire suffer retribution may god judge the corpse-filled nations cry out loud O heaven and earth for the thousands of cities citadels of torah for the countries of europe and their jewish communities their heirs and trustees of our traditions for the righteous Zadikim elders and pious ones those who cleaved unto a faith so pure From the days we were exiled from our homeland. There has never an annihilation As great as this be compassionate with our remnant look down upon us from the heavens At the camps of the martyrs Ten times as many as those who left Egypt Rebuild our holy temple and provide us with double consolation exalt us and bring us back to Zion and Jerusalem He actually wrote this in 1984, many years after the war. He said when someone asked him why he wrote it, he's, you know he said that it took him years till he was able to get the courage to write up his, and put his emotions down on paper because he lost most of his family. It was him and his son. He remarried after the war and had another son. However, who's uh, still alive, his post-war son. But the fact is, is you know he had lost a lot, and he it took him a long time till he got up the courage to write it. He also was involved in helping with its translation into English. And there's the other one on the Holocaust by Rabbi Shimon Schwab. Rabbi Schwab, who was born in Germany and had been a rabbi in Germany. In 1936, he managed to flee to the United States. In 1959 is when he wrote down his memorial for all the dead. Now he escaped before the war, but he was able to interview many from afterwards and many of his community died. But he witnessed the rise of the Nazis hands-on. He was arrested by the Nazis, tortured by them. So, we're talking about someone who is in many ways an eyewitness to a lot of these great tragedies. And his starts of Hazelcher. He who remembers those who remember him, each generation and its holy ones. is the time you have chosen us, may he remember the gruesome fate of the last generation. Well, what has happened to us? Those who were swept away by the flood of blood, who sacrificed their lives who are submerged in the Valley of Tears. May God think of them in the land of eternal life. May their memory be a blessing for all eternity. Lift up your hands to Him. Woe, O oh you heavens! Woe over the best of Israel's tribes, communities and congregations, cities and districts, fraternities, foundations, all rendezvous with God. If only streams of water could pour down from eyes towards waterfalls of the rivers of tears. For the thousands of time for the thousands times thousands of corpses consumed in the fire of destruction and horrors for the princes of torah the pillars of tradition for the young flowers of the priesthood for the diligent scholar the men teachers and women and the precious children in school the trusting daughters the elderly grandparents and their offspring and the infants whom they bore everyone including the myriad's beloved in life not parted by dead seek out their blood when you take the count of the scattered rent leaves and of every life that perished in the days of destruction the calamity six thousand times a thousand an entire third to be destroyed by the blitzkrieg's fury of the cherished vineyards you dearly loved o avenger of blood may the memory of their misery please do not erase from the book you have written remember the moans and the tumultuous screams when they were herded for slaughter May the rivers of their blood and the tears on their face may be forgotten forever. Every tremble, every groan, every piercing cry of those torn asunder by hordes of dogs, remember and count them, collect them in your flask, till the time the degraded one's shame is avenged. In the barbarians' camps were pain and sickness of anguish of mortified souls, insults and mockery, shame and spit, seared Wounds from the horrible blows, hunger, thirst, frenzy, sorrow, the fate stumbling without any strength, every death rattle of every forlorn one, far be it from you to forget. The pillars of smoke, the fumes from the furnace, the piles and piles of bones and sinews, poison fills halls, the roar sound of the multitudes choking in his chamber. The stench of the bodies, the tortured corpses fertilized the soil of the blasphemers. How the torture turned their fat into soaps and human skin into feminine adornments. Remember the finger motions of the savage offers to the right to slave labor, to the left to the shadow of death. Remember how the sharpshooters shot at those digging their own graves, lowering them to the depths of the agony of the grave. How they afflicted our sisters and mutilated our daughters. Doses of poison from sadistic doctors. <clears throat> and fugitive survivors in burrows and bunkers until the disappearance of children in the houses of apostasy and monasteries. Unblemished and sheep completely consumed the blood of the diasporous children. A woe, Ariel, for the corpse of your devout ones. Who could count the sacred flock whose flame will never be extinguished? You tested ones were sanctifiers of your name with the cry of Shema Yisrael. They gave up their lives for God. So that he may gather them in until the very last day they justified his judgment he called out i believe and sang a song of trust and now a people is left bewildered as orphaned without graves at which to pray without tombs where to weep the laments of emotion filled hearts only blood libations are their memorials boiling unforgettable in the mound of ashes from their sacrifice our tributes to the altars ashes who could express israel's torment Whose mind is frenzied by memory how remnants of its splendor is a fraction of a bit how its pride is humble today a living god merciful one comfort your congregation yearns for you so mightily a new light shine let rays of glory glow and let god's spirit hover and that's the two ones for the holocaust as you can see, very powerful stuff. Now, there's ones for destruction of the first temple, ones for destruction the second temple. There's ones for destruction of Bar rebellion, which for people, Bar rebellion, when the Romans put it down, they slaughtered five hundred twenty thousand civilians, wiped hundreds of villages, towns, and cities completely off the map in ancient Israel. Depopulated, took two over two hundred thousand people into slavery. Many of them never to be seen again. So, well, the first temple's destruction had thousands taken into slavery and thousands killed, the temple destroyed. By the way, some of those slaves went to Germany, which is the origins of Jews in Germany, slaves taken away by the first temple destruction and later some more by the destruction after Bar revolution. From Bar for a long time was the biggest tragedy in terms of number of deaths until the holocaust one done by rome one done by germany and so as you could see and if you look at a lot of the other kinos you'll see a lot of themes about destruction and fire and the purpose is for and the purposes is to help us properly mourn and lament And it's very powerful. And when you read through them on the day, and there are some synagogues where you will have like a like a rabbi explaining the background to each kina, including who the author was in the background of the different acts that happened at that time. Very, very powerful and understanding additionally, a lot of times, the hidden messages and the acrostics that are put in many of the poems but it's essentially a day of mourning and understanding. Now, at the end of Tisha as we said, we make the Havdalah. And we, then we break our on a year where it's a Nidcha, like 2022, and then we break our fast on a regular day. At the end of the time, we would just, when the time is up, we would break our fast and one could check up in their, their local synagogue with the time the fast ends. I hope this explains Tisha It's a very emotional day. I'm Rabbi David, and this has been the Rabbi study.